Hello, everyone, and welcome to a public Chabura Shur. Tonight, we are very excited to have with us Rabbi Ilan Akoka, and we're going to be exploring the halachic debate between Rabbi David Ashkenazi and Rabbi Avraham Kuk regarding um, musical instruments on Shabbat, a very um, exciting halachic uh, topic about our speaker. Um, Rabbi Ilan Akoka was born and raised in Batyam, Israel. At the age of 13, he moved to Montreal, Quebec, Canada. He received his rabbinical ordination from the rabbinical institution Bet HaMidrash Lehorea of Montreal and a master's degree in Talmudic studies. Rabbi Akoka is an expert mohel who was trained under, under world-renowned mohel Rabbi Shlomo Mahfoud in Israel. Prior to moving to New Jersey in 2016, Rabbi Akoka served as rabbi of congregation Bet HaMidrash for 17 years and taught regularly in the local Jewish schools. As well, he served as a member of the Bet Din of the Orthodox Rabbinical Council of British Columbia and was a member of the Rabbinical Association of Vancouver. In 2014, Rabbi was chosen to represent Canadian Jewry in a meeting with former Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper. During the historical event, Rabbi had the privilege of blessing the Prime Minister on behalf of Canadian Jewry. Rabbi is an executive member of the Rabbinical Council of America, a member of the Rabbinical Executive of Bergen County, as well as member of the Sephardic Educational Center, Metifta Group. In 2016, Ravakoka published his first book entitled The Sephardic Book of Why. Ravakoka is a regular contributor to the Jewish Link and previously maintained a monthly column in the Canadian Jewish News for many years. Ravakoka's passion and love for teaching Judaic studies at different levels is palpable. He often shares his enthusiasm of Torah and the Sephardic heritage through lectures, sermons, and articles. Currently, Rabbi Koka serves as the rabbi of Sephardic congregation Bet Yosef of Fort Lee, as well as a faculty staff member of Yeshivat Shalshelet and the Moria School. He's married to Dina, and together they have six children and four grandchildren. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here, Rav. It's a pleasure to have you with us, and the floor is yours. Thank you so, so much for this uh, introduction. Uh, and it's really a pleasure to be uh, with you this uh, afternoon for me. Um, and uh, before I start... Um, you heard who I was, but just a little bit more. Um, when I first got my, my first pulpit in, in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, in Canada, I started to realize how much I didn't know about my Sephardic background. Uh, and serving this community for 17 years, we were the only congregation west of Toronto. Um, I realized that I have to know more about uh, my background and who I am and what, what am I serving. And Vancouver was a great place simply because uh, there were Jews from really all over the world. I called this this particular uh, congregation that I had, Me'orav Yerushalmi. It was really, really from all over the world. And with that came different uh, different minhagim uh, that they had, customs that they had. And I learned so much from them. And I, uh, kudos to them. It really, uh, it was a pleasure. It, it was, I give them a lot of credit um, for being able to to um to open uh, up and to see so many different minhagim that uh, Jews have from all over uh, the Sephardic uh, countries. So what I will do today, um, I will share with you an interesting, fascinating uh, teshuva, a teshuva that took place between two gedolim, two great minds, uh, one by the name of Rav David Ashkenazi, who was the chief rabbi of Oran, Algeria. Uh, and the Aru eventually became the chief rabbi of uh, Algeria. Uh, and Rav Kook, we know Rav, who was Kook, who Rav Kook was. Uh, he was the chief rabbi, the Ashkenazi chief rabbi uh, of, of Israel. What I find fascinating about this particular teshuva, among other teshuvot, is the fact that our chachamim, many of our chachamim, 
always thought out of the box. They were out of the box thinkers and they were very, very individual types of, 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 of thinkers, which is something that I'm fascinated by. And I am blessed, by the way, as well, uh, to be this, not at their level at all, Katonti, uh, I'm very, very small compared to them. I'm, I'm really nothing. But the fact is, when it comes to thinking, I'm thinking out of the box. And sometimes the articles that I'm going to be writing are, are out of the box type type of, of, of writings, uh, simply because I'm blessed to be in a congregation where uh, I don't have to title myself as modern orthodox, ultra orthodox to the right or to the left. I'm a Jew and I'm a Sephardic Jew and this is it and that that is it. And as well, when I was in Vancouver as well, I had this privilege of not being under any um, title of, of any um any side of, of, of the, the, the orthodox world, as, as they call it. And this is what our Chachamim were. Just to give you a little bit of background about before we get into the Teshuvah, the fact is, um, as I said, Rav Ashkenazi was from uh, Algeria. He was born in, in Algeria. Um, and as we know, there was in the Ashkenazi world, there was a big debate uh, in the 19th century in the reform uh, in between the orthodox and the reform regarding uh, using uh, an organ in a bit a Knesset, an Ogav, as they call it. Uh, but it was less known that actually in the Sephardic, certain Sephardic synagogues, uh, there were organs that were played on Shabbat, and um, there were no debates about that. It was something that was accepted by uh, by the community. So a little bit of the back, background of, of Algeria. So uh, Algeria was under French rule from 1830. In 1845, what happened is, uh, Algeria got the consistoire. Now, the consistoire uh, in France, there is all of the, or most of the, uh, the synagogues are under the umbrella of the consistoire. And when France came to rule Algeria, they brought the consistoire in 1845, and they really mod- wanted to modernize um, Algeria. And with that, uh, the, the Jews who lived in, uh, in Algeria. Uh, in 1870, the Algerian Jews get French citizenship, and slowly but surely, they're becoming more modern. They are open to um, all of the French culture as well. In 1870, all the authority of the Algerian Batedim uh, is Batelum Vutal is null and void. They don't have any authority. So, on the one hand, Algerian Jews started to be modern, but on the other hand, they be they were very very um, uh, traditional. They continued on as many Sephardic Jews. Uh, are. So there were great efforts to try to modernize um, Algeria. And with that, uh, the Algerian Jews uh, got, as I said, all of this, mo- the, the, the French culture. And slowly but surely, they were not necessarily all Shomer Torah Mitzvot. In 1880, um, they have a decision. They want to build a, a big synagogue in Algeria uh, in order to actually um, to show that the, the Jews there are being, starting to be modern um, like the other religions are. And in 1917, this synagogue is complete. And then it is actually considered the biggest synagogue in North Africa. I have a congregant of mine who showed me a picture of it. He remembers being there as a child. And it's really magnificent type of, of a synagogue. And that, by the way, that was part of the modernization of the Algerian Jewry, because the synagogue was in the main street. It was equal in height to the uh, all the mosques and everything that was uh, around there, apparently. Uh, and it also had French symbols in the Beta Knesset in the synagogue. So as they opened the synagogue, with that, by the way, uh, came also um, a chazan, a professional chazan, a cantor. Uh, there was a choir that was added on. And with that came also Ugav, 
the organ that was added to the uh, to the Bet Knesset. Uh, contrary to what happened before, before, as we know, in many Sephardic synagogues, even today, everyone sings in unison. They wanted to modernize that. There were other countries that had also the organ. Turkey had it, Morocco, uh, where my parents were born. Had it. They remember one of the, um, of it was called Le Temple Algerien, the Algerian temple that had it. Um, in apparently Egypt, they had it as well. And a few other synagogues in the Sephardic world had it. And, and no one really uh, said anything uh, about that. So what happened was, um, there was this debate that took place between uh, Rav David Ashkenazi, and I'll show you in a few minutes uh, the a document about that, the tshuva that took the tshuva that took place between them, or the tshuva that took place between them, um, about the, this organ. How did it get to Rav Kook? We'll uh, we'll figure it out in a few minutes. A little bit about Rav David Ashkenazi. As I said, he was actually all of the other rabbis before him uh, were from France. There or. And then he was the only one who was born in uh, in Algeria. And um, in 1958, uh, he becomes the chief rabbi of Algeria till 1964. Uh, uh, 1962, sorry, 1964, he, he goes to, to Paris. Uh, but before that, he was also the chief rabbi of Oran. And as well, he was a Dayan, together with Rav David Kohen-Skali. There's to Chuvot responsible because of Rav David Kohen-Skali from Algeria. And he basically... Uh, presided over the Bedin together with uh, Rav David Cohen. Skali Rav Kook, we know he was uh, the chief rabbi uh, of, of Israel. And another rabbi that is including the Tshuva is Rabbi Rafael Enkawa. Rabbi Rafael Enkawa was eventually, he was born in Saleh, Morocco. He was also the chief rabbi of, uh, of Morocco. He got, he got actually Legion d'honneur, uh, the, the, the French uh, Legion of Honor. Uh, in 1929, and it happens to be that uh, Ravid and Rabbi uh, Rafael and Kawa uh, also gave simicha to my grandfather Alava Shalom. Uh, so um, a great, great mind, and also someone who wrote many shelot tshuvot that I still uh, used today. Now, as far as the the tshuva goes, um, I will share with you the tshuva. Here it is. Um, here, here we go. So uh, regarding this tshuva, so a little bit of uh, of introduction to this tshuva. What happened was there was a certain rabbi by the uh, uh, there was a certain Jew by the name of Rav Chaim uh, Lechetz, and he was Ashkenazi. He came to live in uh, in Oran, and when he came to Oran uh, to Algeria, he went to the synagogue, and in the synagogue he was exposed to the organ. And what happened was, after, after a couple of years, he sent a question to Rav Kook in Eretz Israel regarding the usage of the organ. And we'll see what, um, what Rav Kook responded uh, to him and what was Rav Ashkenazi's response to, uh, to Rav Kook. So uh, this, by the way, this tshuva I was exposed to by a colleague of mine, by a good friend of Rav Chaim Aftalem, who's in Israel, uh, really someone who's thinking out of the uh, box. And he's the one who found this teshuva and, um, and published it. It was published, uh, it was in one of the Shelot um, Tshuvot of Rav Kook. No, not too many people know about it. And Rav Chaim Amsalet brought it to light in order for people to see uh, the, the way that Sfarik Chachamim uh, think. So um, 
It's a tshuva in orach mishpat, orach hayim, siman lamidvav. And I highlight, I uh, underline some of the texts. We're not going to go through all the texts, but some of the texts. So um, this Ashkenazi Jew basically uh, is sending the tshuva to Rav Kook. And Rav Kook responds. And he says, Someone permits them to have an organ in Beit HaKneset. And this person, who happens to be Rav Ashkenazi, claims that it's only for the Ashkenazim. The Ashkenazim took this prohibition of the organ, but the Sfaradim did not. Just as introduction as well. Now, when this, this organ was played, it was played on Shabbat, and it was played by Goyim, by Gentiles. It's not the Jews were there playing the organ on Shabbat. They were Goyim that, were, that played the organ. Anyway, so he says, What the, does Rav Kook think about it? So he says, So he says, it doesn't have any base. Really, when is there, is there a difference between Sfaradim and Ashkenazim? This is only uh, when there is a minhag or anything that is machlokit and achashuchan, aruchen rama, for example. Everyone is going to go according to his rabbis, to his teachers. Whatever it comes to any isur, any prohibition from the Torah, and there is no machloket about them. Between all of the chachamim, sfaradim, and ashkenazim alike, who's the one who's going to dare to come and make a look at differentiation between sfaradim and ashkenazim? So the Torah was given from one shepherd, which is Moshe Rabbeinu, and this is it. So it seems like Rav Kook is very straight about it. He's saying that it's assumed, it's prohibited. And then he continues on, and he says there's another thing. He says, there's a problem. And what is the problem? The issue is, it says in the Torah that we are not allowed to emulate the Umot the, HaOlam. The, the, uh, the nations of the world, the Gentiles. And therefore he claims that having an organ in the Beta Knesset falls under this category and is Torah. The fact is, he says, it's a Chukata Goim, something that Jews never did and Gentiles did is considered Chukata Goim. Now, as we know, uh, in, in, in certain uh, um, other religions, they, they use the, uh, the Christians use it in churches, they have sometimes an organ. Mimela, Rafku claims that there's a problem. It's Hukota Goim. And therefore, because of that, you're not allowed to uh, use it. And therefore, uh, he continues on, he says, he says that in the previous generations, there were some Jews who were considered Israel, people who went against the Torah HaKdusha, and they wanted to emulate the Goim, the non-Jews, in order to, to resemble to them. And those Jews thought that if they're going to emulate the non-Jews that they were living among, uh, so then the Goim will not hate them anymore, will not despise them anymore. Because of that, some Jews, many of the Jews, what happened, they went out, they assimilated among the Goim, and 
audio tear. And he says it didn't help in any way the Jewish community. Actually, the hatred of the non-Jews got even bigger because of that. And those Jews who started, we're talking about the Reformed Jews, left completely Torah and mitzvot, many of the mitzvot uh, of the Torah, and they left even Shabbat, even some of them know Brit Milah, many, many assimilated and got married with non-Jewish women, and Rav Kook is categorically saying, you're not allowed to emulate them in any way, so therefore he says that you cannot in any way have the uh, organ. Besides that, Another thing he says that maybe so those people who started it, as we know, there's a there's a, a bracha that was added to the Shmona. I said, "Lamashinim ve'laminim al tiyitigva heretics." So these people, he considered them like to be minim, people who completely left the Torah Hakdosha, and therefore he says, "You're not allowed to use it." And then to add on, he says, "Vekal va'omer bi'inyan ha'ugav shekol Yisrael akshenim makpidin bezemayot ad meon." He says, "When it comes to the ugav." When it comes to the organ, many, many Jews, they are not in any way going to have an organ in the Bet Knesset. They will not come into any Bet Knesset, any Orthodox synagogue. He says there's no difference between Ashkenazim and Sfaradim. If you want to be part of the Mahane, part of the Jewish camp, part of, part of the Orthodox camp, what you have to do is you cannot have uh, an organ. And therefore, he says at the end, Baruch Hashem, he says, we are distanced from those Jews. And we are the chosen nations without an organ. Okay. And this is who we are to be separated from Goim and not to emulate, not to copy anything that the Goim do. And he sent it to Rav Chaim Leches. He called him by he calls him by the way Harav Hagaon. He gives him the title, title of the great rabbi. That's what this is what Rav Kook called this Chaim Leches. And he says, he, he finishes off, he says, I received all the correspondence regarding the ugav, uh, the organ. found some time in order to uh, send you this Teshuvah. And this is how he finished it. Rav Avraham Itzhak HaKohen Kuk. So this is what uh, Rav Kuk sent to Chaim Leshetz, who was in Oran, Algeria. Now, before in, we get into Rav Ashkenazi, who, by the way, got this letter from Chaim Leshetz, just a little introduction from Rav Amsalem. He says, and it's very important for us to understand something very important for the Sephardic Jewry. He says, says, we have to uh, imagine and to know that probably Rav Kook did not know the nature of the the Algerian Jews. And by the way, I would add on, not just Algerian Jews, many of the Sephardic Jews. As we know, 
Sephardic Jewry, the original one, Sephardic Jewry, the authentic Sephardic Jewry was very open and very, you know, like uh, warm towards all of Jews. The fact is, it was, there was a lot of tradition. And by the way, even today, many of the Sephardic Jews, including the, the, the Bet Knesset that I am uh, the rabbi of now, Many, many of the, the, these Jews that, that came from Morocco are extremely traditional. Not all of them are necessarily uh, uh, observant of all mitzvot, but tradition is extremely important, and Algeria was definitely part of that. And he says there was um, emuna amuka. There was, of course, a lot of emuna faith, as we know, Sfaradim. All Jews have faith, but Sephardic Jews certainly have uh, a lot of emuna deep type of faith. And this is something that lo haita mukeret be'ashkenaz bichlal. This type of jewelry was not known so much in Ashkenaz. Okay? And he adds on, Him'atsuto shel ugav bevet ha'kneset ha'mnagen be'shabbat v'yom tov al-yedei goi nitmecha al-yedei manhigi ha'keila. Now we have to understand that those Jews who have a lot of tradition who are not necessarily shomer Torah mitzvot, the organ that went into the synagogue was something that was supported by not necessarily the rabbis, but the leaders of the kehila, okay? Even Hadatim, even the, the ones who were religious. We're going to see that actually, that it was a way of encouraging Jews to come to tefillah. How? By having an organ on Shabbat, okay? The fact is, by the Ashkenazi Jews, they looked at it as a threat to Orthodox Jewry, and therefore, because of that, they forbade it. And therefore, he continues on and says, So this goes back even to the time of Napoleon. In France, there were 10 different Bateknesset that had an organ. Let's not forget that Algeria was under French rule. So therefore, with that, all of this tradition that took place in France comes to uh, Algeria. And part of this tradition was to have uh, an uh, an Ugav, to have an organ in the uh, Bateknesset. Um, and therefore, he continues on, he says, and by the Ashkenazim, what happened? This started in the reform movement. The reform movement uh, was definitely um, uh, a threat to Orthodox Jewry. And because of that, uh, the Hatam Sofer, as we'll see, among others, um, forbade it in uh, Arzot Ashkenaz, in the Ashkenazi, uh, in the Ashkenazi countries. Okay, so let's go a little bit into the Tshuva of Rav Ashkenazi. And this is what he says. He says, Tshuva Megula al Psak Harav Kuk. So, a Tshuva that he published regarding what Rav Kuk said about the organ that uh, was in Oran, Algeria. So, he says the following. He starts, very important. In our place in Oran, there is one of our brothers. He calls him a brother. Yeah, he's part of the Jews. We are all Jews. Ashkenazim and Sephardim alike. So he says, he came to us and we made him many, many tovot. We chesed and everything. We opened up our homes for him. We did everything. As Jews do in, in any country that you go to. A Jew sees another Jew. If he could help him, he's going to help him. Now he says, this Jew, Haim Lashetz, he started the mahloket in our 
community. לעשות אומנותו של שטן עולה ומסטין יורג ומקטרג. He uses pretty harsh words with this חיים לשץ. Apparently, הרב דוד אשכנזי was a תקיף, he was someone who did not mince his words, and therefore he calls him someone who is like the שטן, who is want, wants to be מסטין עלינו, he wants to start a מחלוקת among the Jews, and then he adds on something extremely harsh, מראה תלפיים כדבר אחר. He's showing Mar'et el-Apayim. Who is he alluding to? He's alluding to the Hazir. The Hazir, the Torah says that he has one siman that is kasher. He has split hooves. And therefore the Hazir wants to show that he's kasher. And this Jew wants to show that he's kasher and he's holier than thou by starting a mahloket against the organ. So he says, Ata kodem kol lemodayen itzarich shaisha lazeh He continues on in his introduction. He says, this Jew came to our city, he came with nothing. So he says, this Jew, by the way, I know about it, he says, Rav Ashkenazi. He even, he didn't have anything, any parnasa. He was even working on Shabbat for his parnasa. So basically, as he's sending this tshuva to Rav Kuk, he's telling him, you're relying on someone who was even the Halal Shabbat. And what are you relying upon? You're relying upon him to tell you that there is an ugav, there is an organ in the Bet HaKneset. Now, an organ in the Bet HaKneset, he says, is a humrah. Even if you say that, that there is any prohibition, it's only a humrah midrabbanan. As we're going to see, he's going to build up his case. It's only a stringency from a rabbinic prohibition and not more than that. And therefore, he continues on, he says, ויותר מכל היה לך לשאול ממנו מי שמו לשר ושופט בקהילה רבה עיר ואם בישראל. So this is very important. And it has to do with rabbinic autonomy. The fact is, he says to Rav Kook, when you got this question from this Chaim Leshetz, who is from Algeria, you should have asked them who gave him the right to be the judge of our קהילה in Oran. עיר ואם בישראל. קהילה עיר תורה, דס תורה אין אורן, שנמצאו שם חכמים ורבנים שקטטם עבה ממותניו. There were great חכמים in, in Algeria, was a very ancient type of Jewish community, there were great חכמים there, והלא הוא בעצמו התפלל שנה ושנתיים בבית הכנסת. Here's another important point that he adds on. He says this חיים לשת spread for a year or two years in our בית הכנסת, אשר מנגנים בו בעוגה ולא דיבר מאומה. For two years he's praying there, And he doesn't say anything about this organ that is being played. Only after two years, he's starting to wake up and to, to, uh, to ask questions. Here is another important point. He says he didn't come to the rabbis of the community to ask them how is it possible to play an organ on Shabbat in the Beit Knesset. Very important point. What is this point? The fact is, he and Rav Ashkenazi, even though, by the way, he was... Young at that time, he was in his mid-30s. Rav Kook is in his 60s. He's saying, uh, the fact is, there are hachamim in, 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 in Oran, Algeria. There are hachamim in the Beta Knesset, where the organ is being played. Why didn't he go and ask them about that? Okay. Who gave them the right to do so? Prove it to me. Show me in halakha that it's permitted to play the organ on Shabbat. 
And therefore, he continues on, אבל עשית את הרבנות כדבר הרשות לתת לו במכתבך של יום חי לחץ שבע, תוארים שאין לו חלק בהם. Besides that he says, you give them תוארים, you describe them as the רב הגאון, the great rabbi, the גדול הדור, whatever it is. He's not. He's a simple Jew who came to Algeria and he has no right to get into my business as the chief rabbi uh, of Oran. He continues on, he says, Regarding the Hatam Sofer, so the Hatam Sofer, uh, who was in Hungary, he forbade the usage of the organ. So he says, regarding this Isur, the prohibition of the Hatam Sofer, שהרב חתם סופר זכרון לברכה החלים בדורו את קהילות האשכנזים ורבותינו הספרדים עדיין לא החלימו את בית הכנסת באורן. says, respectfully to the Hatam Sofer, the Hatam Sofer forbade the organ in קהילות אשכנז. In Oran, there was no hacham who came and forbade the usage of the ugav on Shabbat in our Bet Knesset. Eighteen years, the organ is being played. Hasidim and Haredim, pious people are coming to the Bet Knesset. No one is saying anything. So he adds on, he says, if there would be any prohibition of playing the organ on Shabbat, those Hasidim would not be quiet. They would say something about it. They don't say anything for 18 years. Therefore, what is the issue with the organ? Okay. And then he adds on, he says, זאת ועוד כמה חכמים ורבנים עוברים ושבים כוללים ספרדים ואשכמזים התפללו בו. The fact is there were חכמים coming into Oran Algeria and they prayed in that synagogue. חכמים and אשכנזים alike. And he quotes, he says, uh, he uh, mentions one name of a Rav Dov Levi Englinger who was from the משתלח מת המזרחים, הוא was a משולח, okay, from ארץ ישראל. Uh, to, to, to raise money, and he was in that Bet Knesset, and he was Tamid Hakam, and he didn't say anything about it. Therefore, uh, Rav Ashkenazi says, many Chachamim prayed, many visitors came to the Bet Knesset, Tamidei Chachamim came to the Bet Knesset, and no one said anything about it. So this is how he's building, he's slowly building his case. Then another thing important, and I would say that that's important for every rabbi to understand. When you're serving a community, you have to understand the nature of your community before you give any psak halacha. And look at what he says. Very, very important. He says, At that time, Rav Ashkenazi was already four years the chief rabbi of Orad. Fourteen years before that already, the organ was being played, and the rabbis before Rav Ashkenazi wanted to forbid the organ. However, the board, okay, rabbis deal with boards, the board of, of Oran, the Nesi'im, the presidents of the community didn't want to listen to the voice or the Meha'a that the rabbis did at that time. And therefore, People are coming, children are coming, uh, men are coming, women are coming, and it became part of the tefillah. Tradition of tefillah was to have the organ playing. The other rabbi, let's let, look at what he adds. Rabu kemo rabu shelo ayudim derech betaknesset elapam ha-beshana. 
because of the organ in the Beit Knesset, other people started to come. People who used to come only once a year, Yom Kippur, because of the organ, they started to come every Shabbat. Why? Because it was pleasant. It was pleasant in their eyes to have an organ playing. So he says, because of that, in a sense, we, sp- we speak about Kiruv very, very often. For him, the Kiruv was to have, to have Dafka an organ in the Beta Knesset in order to have more Jews coming to do Tfilah in the uh, Beta Knesset. Therefore, he says the following. As the rabbi of the community, he has to weigh in. The, the, there's pros and cons. If he's going to start basically fighting with the board, the vaad of the community about the organ, what's going to happen? And look at what he says. Very important as a rabbi to know that. He says that as he became the, the, the Av Bedin or the chief rabbi, the Rav Rashi of Orad, he started to be metaken, to repair certain things that had to be repaired. So what did he do? Look at what he, he says. He says, Shaita, uh, Gitin, Halitzot, Mirut Hasadim, Kupatanim, Tzedakah, okay? All of this, he was able to make it even to be mehader, to beautify it, to make sure that everything is done properly. And therefore, he thought to himself, if I'm going to start to fight with the board about the organ, I'm going to lose everything else that I have been able to accomplish. The gitin, the halitzot, the bedin that is, is functioning properly, tzedakah that is being given, talmud torah that is open, a yeshiva that was open, and so on and so forth. So the rabbi really, Rabbi Ashkenazi, and every rabbi has to weigh in and think to himself, what is it? Is it worth it to fight or not worth it to fight? And in this case, he says, Obviously, if it would be up to him, probably he would say to himself, it's better not to have an organ. However, in that case, when he was weighing in the pros and cons, he got to a conclusion that it's better not to say anything uh, about it. Now, as far as the organ, he still has to answer the question, is there an issue with an, an organ being played? Again, it was played by Goyim, non-Jews. Okay, it's not, it wasn't played by, 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 by an Israel. So he says, he deals with that, and he says the following. He says, excuse me. Um, it says, Mitzad isur hashma'at kol v'yom tov. There's one issue which is hashma'at kol. You're not allowed to create uh, any kol, any voice or noise on Yom Tov, and there's a problem with the organ. So he says with that, what are we going to say? There is what we call amira legoi. Amira legoi, right? We are, Shvut, to say to a guy to say to do something on Shabbat is asur. You're not allowed to do to do so. However, there is permission when it comes to var mitzvah. There's a mahloket about that. We're not going to go into the mahloket, uh, but the fact is there are poskim, the arishonim as well that say that if there is a mitzvah, you're allowed to say to a guy to do a melacha. On Shabbat, for example, classic example will be: Let's say Shabbat, I came, someone came to the Beit Knesset, and for some reason the timer didn't work. Now people are going to come to the Beit Knesset; it's going to be a minyan, and they need electricity, they need uh, light to be able to read the Torah in order to be able to pray. In that case, you are allowed to say to a goy, "Tvar mitzvah, even mitzvah the rabim, uh, to light the, to turn on the switch, and you could tell it to him even." Explicitly, you don't have to do to hint it to him. You could say it 100%, okay, no problem. Regarding the organ, he says, there's a dvar mitzvah. There is a mitzvah in that case. And why? Because since this is going to unite the community and bring them together to the Beit Knesset and more Jews will come, for that enough, it's okay to say to the Goy, you could tell him even before Shabbat, don't forget, you know, or you tell him once and he knows that every Shabbat, 
from uh, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., he's going to be in the Beta Knesset playing the organ for the community. So it's an Amirali Goibim Komitzvah, and it's a hundred percent okay. And this way it says Amirali Goibim Beodyom Beshabbat. It's something that is needed. Why is it needed? It's needed for the community. And therefore, because of that, he says it's 100% uh, okay. There's no problem uh, with it. He continues on and he says the following. Um, as far as hukota goim, as far as um, being... Uh, re- resembling or emulating the Goyim, he says that's great. That was in Medinot Ashkenaz. By the Ashkenazim, you had this issue with the reform movement and everything else, uh, emulating the the uh, the churches. Vechule, vechule. It's something that did not happen in Artsot Farad, and therefore, because of that, he says it's a hundred uh, percent okay. Then he adds on something else. He says, you know what? There's even a pasuk, a very known pasuk, to. Um, to add on and to support the fact that you are allowed to play an organ in the Bet Knesset on Shabbat. And what is it? It's the last Tehillim that we have. Haliluhu beminim ve'ugav. It says, David HaMelech says, you should praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How should you praise him? Beminim ve'ugav. What is an ugav? An organ. So therefore he says, 100% even David HaMelech b'chvodo v'atzmo, there's no problem with it. It was probably, he said it was even in the Bet HaMikdash. Now, by the way, the Hatam Sofer, he says that David HaMelech did it. How did he do it? He did it, he did it by himself, not in, in, uh, with, with the, the entire community. Rav Ashkenazi disagrees with that. He says it was done in public. And therefore, there is even a Pasuk in Tehillim, clearly, that says that you are allowed to uh, play uh, an organ sound percent. Okay. And therefore... He finishes off and he says the following. He says, if it's really bothering you, Rav Kook, that we are doing what we are doing, so therefore you should publicize it and say that we guys in uh, Oran, in Algeria, we are like the Tzdukim and the Baitusim, and we left completely our, uh, the, the Jewish religion. And therefore, if so, uh, you should do it also for France, for Europe, for America. Even them, they have certain things that are not, maybe are not 100% according to your opinion, Rav Kook. And therefore, So all of the Hasadim that we, the Jews of Oran, did with the Ashkenazi Jews, whether it is a certain certain, uh, hospital that they gave tzedakah for and they built it, etc., etc., should be also forbidden. And if so, no one from your community should come to us to Oran. And this is how he was pretty, again, um, pretty strong words. And he says to him, but he finishes off on a very positive note. And he says to him, if finally, Rav uh, Cook, you realize that you have done a mistake, okay? So then, therefore, I'm asking you to, to make peace with me and Shalom Al Israel. And this is how Rav Cook basically, uh, Rav Ashkenazi finishes off uh, his tshuva. Now, to understand, I think there's a very important, at least for me, I learned from this a very important uh, lesson. And what is it? That every rabbi has his autonomy over his congregation. And no one has the right to get into the business of this particular, you could ask questions. 
But to get into why or saying it's Asur, you're not allowed to. Why? Because you're not the rabbi of the community. And every community is different. I will share with you something about my own congregation when I came here. There is a minak, minhag out there that I'm very familiar with. Uh, it's done on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. And by Moroccans, it's done also Shabbat Hatan or Shabbat Bar Mitzvah. Shabbat Hatan, Shabbat Bar Mitzvah, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There are certain piyutim that we add on before Nishmat Kol Hai and before Shavuat Ani. Okay? And it's not considered the hefsek. Actually, some of these piyutim, uh, if you look at the end of the piyut, it says Nishmat Kol Hai. It's an introduction to Nishmat Kol Hai. We find, by the way, on Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur, Yedei Rashim, Yedei Rashim, Vechulei, all of these piyutim were actually, originally, when they were written, they were written to be davka, read and chanted and sang before Nishmat and before uh, or after uh, Ishtabah. Um, now, in my community, what they do is, and in Moroccan communities, just to add on, I, I grew up with it. Shabbat Hatan, before Nishmat, there is a piyut that is sang. No, it's not considered the Efsek. Before Shabbat Anim, a, a, a piyut that is, that is sang, no problem with that. When I came to this community here, they have him in Hag, they took it to the next level. And every Shabbat, before Nishmat and before Shabbat Anim, they have a piyut that they, uh, that they sang. Okay? So, I, for me, there's no problem with it. You could do it every Shabbat if you want. I wasn't so familiar with that, that to do it every Shabbat, but I have no issues with it. So it happens to be that uh, a certain Rosh Kolel came to one Shabbat to my Bet Knesset. And when we got to that point, everyone started the uh, piyut. And this particular Rosh Kolel, he said, turns to me, he says, Hefsek. I said, I, I spoke with him after the tefillah, and I told him, you have to understand the nature of my community. You have to look into and learn that if is it really considered a Hefsek, v'chule, v'chule, v'chule. And I basically, I hope I, I taught him a lesson. Then, by the way, he had his own homerod that he wanted to bring about Shaitat Bet Yosef, and he was asking all types of questions. It got to a point that uh, I, I finally said to whoever uh, introduced me to him, because it was really out of... I. I Gave this Rosh Kolel everything that he needed, galor with one of the families, and it wasn't going very well. So I went to the person who basically um, introduced me to him, and I told him, I don't need people like that in my community. Why? Because of the fact that I'm the rabbi of the community, and as a rabbi of the community, I know the nature of my community, and everything that is done is done according to halacha. Is it according to all poskim? No, not necessarily. Maybe there are some poskim that will say that the disputes are considered to be a... Uh, uh, I have sick, but not for me. Okay, so that was one example. But every rabbi has his own community that he has to uh, to serve, and with that he has to understand. And as Rav Ashkenazi, by the way, taught us in this fascinating tshuva, he looked at it and he weighed, he, he thought to himself the pros and cons. What's going to happen if he's going to start fighting about the organ? That, by the way, he proves according to halacha. In his case, there was no issues with it. What's going to happen is going to lose the Talmud Torah, the Yeshiva, the, 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 the Halitzot, the Gitin and everything, the Kiddushin that he was doing properly. So therefore, because of that, uh, he is um, he is pretty strong about it, he's pretty vocal about it as he's writing in uh, in this Mikhtav, in, uh, in this letter. As well, I think it's important for us to understand that there's a difference also between not even Ashkenazim and Sfaradim, but also where you serve your community. Um, when I started the, the, the rabbinate, I used to ask certain complex she'elot 
to Rabbanim in Eretz Israel because I thought that's the best Kimitzion Tetzet Torah. But then, as I matured a little bit and I got more experience in the rabbinate, I stopped doing so and I started to ask Poskim in North America. And why? Because Poskim in North America will understand may, uh, better the nature of my community uh, than Poskim in Eretz Israel. The Poskim in Eretz Israel don't understand what we Rabbanim are doing in North America. The North American Jewry and the, the Israeli Jewry and the European Jewry are different things. And every rabbi has to serve his community according to the needs of his community and to respect halacha. So it's a big, big balance. It's a big responsibility that every rabbi has, as Raf Ashkenazi, by the way, had. But as we see, he finally came to a psak halacha, permitting this organ in his community, simply because that was the best case scenario uh, for him. Besides the fact that he knew also, and he had to find a permission to it because he knew that if he would go to the board of his community, the probability is that they're going to tell them we're not going to change anything. I didn't, by the way, I did not share with you that in this Shuva, he says that as he became the chief rabbi of Oran, they did the Hidur. The Hidur that they did is they took Ogaf Katan, they took the small organ and they replaced it with Ogaf Gadol, with a big organ, with a more sophisticated, modernized type of, of, an, uh, of an organ that came to the Bet HaKneset. But he dealt with it and every rabbi has to deal with his own community. And again, I think it's important. When I personally go to another community as a guest and I'm there to, 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 to do tefillah, I'm not going to start challenging the rabbi of the community. And why? Because he is the rabbi and it's important for him to deal with this community. The same thing happens. Uh, sometimes people come to me and they ask me a certain she'ela and I know that they have the rabbi. I very, very simply say to them, don't come to me, go to your rabbi and ask him the question. He's your rabbi, I'm not your rabbi. I could give you an answer that may be good for my community, but not for from where you are. So that's important for us just to realize, and I think it's important as well to have this rabbinic autonomy. Every rabbi has to serve his community, uh, and uh, even though we do say absolutely but there's Torah in America as well, there's Torah in Europe as well, there's Torah everywhere, and it's important just to lead uh, according to the needs or of your community. So this is what I wanted to share with you. I don't know if uh, uh, anyone has any questions or I'm not sure if the Habura permits questions or not, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm open to discussion for a few minutes. Or if not, thank you so, so much. Thank you for that presentation. We will have questions. Uh, we'll start with Robert. And you can uh, raise your hand or you can unmute. And, or you can write in the chat box. A very simple question, Rabbi. Is it possible you can share the Shuva uh, with us, the source sheet? Absolutely, for sure. With pleasure. If you if you forward it to um, the, the Habura, they'll hopefully distribute it. No problem. Will do. Felipe? Uh, oui, hello. Uh, Rabbi, nice, nice, nice to hear you. Very interesting Shuva. What I would like to say being uh, from Algeria, my mother, she was from Oran, from saint Eugène, and there is there is a French system included, because uh, uh, the, the Jews from Algeria were very imprégnés uh, um, de, de la société française. Et, um, par exemple, l'orgue, c'était une grande tradition sur les, sur les, sur les synagogues consistoriales. Donc, par exemple, toutes les grandes synagogues consistoriales de Paris ont toujours, en fait, un, un, un orgue. Donc, ça faisait partie d'une tradition qui a été magnifiquement 
mise en lumière, c'est sûr. Et accepté, hein <rire> Oui, oui. Bien oui. accepté, oui, voilà. Merci. Merci beaucoup. Merci. We have a question in the chat box from Milton. He says, is there still any Sephardi Bet Knesset currently that plays any instrument on Shabbat today? Not as far as I know. Not as far as I know. I will tell you, actually, uh, regarding the synagogue in Morocco that had the organ, eventually what happened is after, a certain, I don't know how many years after it, it, they started to play it, uh, the Rabbanim finally um, got to a point and it was accepted by the community not to play it uh, anymore. So as far as I know, I don't uh, I don't think so. Uh, and as well, it's unfortunate what the next maybe words I'm going to say um Rabbis that even rabbis today who would want to do so probably will not do it because unfortunately we live in a society today. I spoke about rabbinic autonomy, but unfortunately many rabbis uh, will not do it, even if their opinion is that it's permitted to do it simply because what's going to happen, what's going to happen to their position, what's going to happen uh, with social media and and everything else. It's unfortunate uh, because today, rather than to sit down, and this is something that I uh, I'm sad about, uh, because at least in this case, there was um, back and forth between Rav Ashkenazi and Rav Kuk. By the way, Rav Kuk did not reply to Rav Ashkenazi after this Teshuvah. There's two reasons, two different reasons, maybe. Uh, one of them, it, he passed away a few months after that. Second thing is, maybe when he saw the harshness of Rav Ashkenazi, he decided not to reply to him. I'm not sure why. But the fact is, uh, at least there was... The teshuvah that took place, or a couple of teshuvot between Rav Ashkenazi and, and Rav Kook. Today, there's no teshuvot. Basically, what happens is, if someone something is doing something that is out of the box, that is not traditional anymore, unfortunately, he's being called uh, reform, uh, whatever, uh, all types of, of 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 names that he's being called. And unfortunately, it happened. I'll give you an example. Uh, during uh, COVID, I'm sure that some of you, maybe all of you, know about the. Um, Chuva that took place regarding Zoom uh, for this darim and this chuva, by the way, one of the uh, the the the, the rabbanim who, who signed was Rav Berger, Rav Eliyahu Berger, who is a Gavra Rabbah. He's the former Avbedin of Yerushalayim. And when it came out, you saw all type of rabbanim who are not even close to Rav Berger. No, it's reform. It's uh, no, you shouldn't know. rather than say reform or you're you're conservative or you're not orthodox anymore. What you should do is get educated, sit down around a table, and debate this tshuva. This is what we are. If we take a, a page of Gemara, the page of, of Gemara is filled with mahluket, abayeve rava. All of these Amoraim and, and Tanaim, Rabbi Yohanan and Resh Lakish, what did they do? They, not, they didn't say to each other, you're reform. No, let's sit down, let's discuss, let's debate, let's scream at each other. There's nothing wrong with that. Milhamta shel Torah, it's fine to do so. But at least this is the way we're going to get educated. And hopefully at the end, maybe we'll not agree. And maybe we'll agree to disagree. It's an article that I wrote a, a year ago. Let's agree to disagree. Maybe I'll share that with you as well. But the fact is, nothing wrong with agreeing to disagreeing, but it has to be done bechavod, not like it's done uh, today. There's an interesting, by the way, tshuva, like, I think 10 tshuvot between Rabbi Yosef Mesas and Rabbi Baruch Toledano, great hachamim from Meknas, regarding the, the um, um, Shabbat, carrying on Shabbat, Tiltul be Shabbat. The Yosef Mesas was of the opinion when the Jews started to come out of the Melah that it was permitted, and Rabbi Baruch Toredano uh, forbade it. And as they were debating, and I have the Chuvot, 
you have to see the way that they treat each other. Or Hamma'arav, the great light, with, with beautiful type of, of kavod to each other. Yes, I'm going to disagree with you, but I'm going to do it with kavod. You are a rabbi and I'm a rabbi as well. We'll treat each other with kavod. Unfortunately, it's not done today. And it, it's, it, it's a shame. I hope I'm, I have a lot of dreams. And one of them is that one day, Rabbanim will be able to sit down as they sat down before and debate and, and, and respect each other. We have a question from Simon. Um, <clears throat> well, thank you very much for the shiur, Rabbi. I, I remember a very pleasant Shabbat, which I spent in your congregation in Vancouver about 15 years ago, and it's very nice to see you again. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, my question is about the when he brings some David HaMelech, Minim Ba'ugav. Do you think he seriously thinks that David HaMelech had to organize that kind of a militia? I'm fairly hey. sure that... It's a bederek melitza, absolutely, bederek melitza, bederek melitza. But the point that Rav Ashkenazi was making is that instruments were played already at the time of David Amalek. Whether Ugav was the Ugav that that uh, that uh, Rav Ashkenazi had in 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 the Oran in Oran synagogue is, I don't think so. You're right, but the fact is, there's a point there that he's making about musical instruments. Understood. Thank you. Lilina says that she knows of a Bet Knesset in Paris that pay a non-Jew to play Oud and Yom Tov. Ah, there you have it. There you yeah. have it. I have another question. Yeah. Hoping this question is not too much controversial or out of the scope. Can we really say that there is rabbinic autonomy today in the Sephardi communities today? I have seen that many people see as a heresy to disagree with some specific rabbis or following some other puskim. It's not controversial at all. And I would say, no, unfortunately, there's no rabbinic autonomy today. Maybe some rabbanim, Baruch Hashem, we have some rabbanim that are thinking out of the box, but not too many of them, simply because of the fact that if you will not follow a certain um, way of thinking of certain philosophy, unfortunately, you'll be out of the camp. This is what we have become. Uh, and as I said, I myself, Baruch Hashem, I'm not dependent on anyone. I have my own congregation. In my own congregation, I'm blessed to be an independent thinker. Um, and I do whatever is uh, is good for uh, for for my congregation. And I work for the credit for 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 the the um, to advance my my uh, my my bit connected. I'll show you one thing that. Uh, I mean, Rav Ashkenazi um, was all about the organ in his Bet Knesset. I'll show you something that I had to to deal with uh, when I first moved to um, to New Jersey. Uh, I saw that on uh, Pesach, all of the uh, different kosher uh, stores don't sell kitniot, and for me, it was an issue. So I'm a member of the uh, of, of of the Vadir, and 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 I raised this issue. And when I first raised this issue, they told me, we never did it. I said, well, now you're going to do it. So they told me, but you never did it. I said, okay, but I'm here and I have a voice and I'm, I, and I'm voicing my opinion. I want you, why don't you do it? Well, we don't know if there's other Va'adim who do it. I said, I made my homework and this Va'ad does that and this Va'ad. And anyways, to make a long story short, after the first year, the second year, it was accepted and there's... The, 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 the stores here, they have a couple of shelves. It says, only for people who eat kitniyot. And Baruch Hashem, you have to serve your community. You have to, as, as a rabbi, you have to know how to, to, to use your authority and to express and to not to shy, to, to share whatever you want to, you need to share with, with, with the Va'ad or with, uh, with the, the larger communities. It's extremely important. 
I'll say, I think what, what we're saying is that there's two roles that a Talmud Chacham plays. On one hand, there's the sort of halachic theory or the halachic like learning, study, and the Talmud Chacham has his understanding of the sugya. And then there's the Talmud Chacham embedded in a community. And then how he takes all of that and applies it into a community-sensitive teshuva, uh, uh, even if it's not 100% what he believes is the understanding necessarily of the sugya, but you can see, you know, he provides a viable interpretation to serve his community. Absolutely. It's, imp- it's, it's extremely important to uh, to do that. I'll share with you one, one thing. Maybe it's a simple thing, but it's very deep for me. Rabbi Yosef Mesas, who was the chief rabbi of Haifa, apparently uh, one of the hanhagot that he had, one of the habits that he had is every day he used to walk from his apartment to the Rabbanut. He, he could have had, I mean, chief rabbi of, of Haifa, you could have a, a chauffeur, you could have a, a car, and he had that. But he dafka did it. Why did he do it? He says, I'm the chief rabbi of Haifa. If I'm the chief rabbi of Haifa, I'm serving all the citizens of Haifa. I'm going to walk in order to say good morning to the people I'm serving. This is what a rabbi is supposed to do. Right? The rabbi is not supposed to be in his office uh, where people are going to knock on his door. He should be out there serving his community. Whatever the needs of the community is. So yes, he's a Tamit Hakam and he's the rabbinic authority. But besides that, he's all he's, he's going to be the one who's going to serve the community. He's going to be there for the funerals and the Hatunot, etc., etc. So it's a balance that you should have. And this is something that was, in at least in the Sephardic Jewry, something that the Rabbanim, obviously, uh, they, they did that and they did it. And they led by example where they knew that they were serving the community. The community and that meant the entire community, whether you're Shomer Shabbat or no difference. You are part of, you are my brother, you are my sister, uh, and therefore I'm going to, to serve you the best I can. Now, how do we know when a, when a, when a teshuva is written in the first context or the second context, which both of them are appropriate, just, you know, how do we know, or should all teshuva be written in community uh, orientation or, you know? That's a good question. So, Depending on who is the who is answering the the, 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 the rabbi behind the teshuva, I would say. Meaning that uh, take take Rav Ovadia. Rav Ovadia was someone who served Klal Israel. So the teshuva that uh, you uh, not just him, but many other gdole Torah, poske poske hador, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so they they are talking about the entire community. However, in the case of Rav Ashkenazi, he's in this specific case, he's talking about his own community. So depending on the context of the teshuva, we could know if it's serving the the the, the community or it's serving uh, the broader community, Klal Israel, wherever they are. Thank you. Okay, so I think we'll close it for tonight. Thank you so much, Chacham, for being with us. Hopefully this will be uh, the first of many. And thank you so much, uh, everyone, for being here. Um, May our learning be as a chut for our people. Amen. Amen. Thank you so so much, everyone, for coming. School of Mitzvot, all the best. Bye-bye.